Hello there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. What's that accent? It's not meant to be an accent because I don't like doing accents because people can say that. Sounded a bit racist. stereotypical of like um, Eastern European at the beginning, and then it just went into a sort of uh, clown carnival barker. Hurry, oh. hurry, hurry! Step right and up. And it wasn't meant to be anything specific. So it was, just so it was all part of the words. magic. All part of the magic how I interestingly start the show because someone has to. Well, somebody does have to. And and you've been uh, taking up the mantle of, uh, well, I guess you could say a carnival barker, you know, uh, hurry, 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 step right up into the new exciting podcast. Um, one of us is called Callum and one of us is called Johnny. And which one are you, sir? I'm Callum. And who are you, sir? I'm Callum also. I, are you? No. I'm yanking your chain. Now let's bring out the bearded lady and the whatever they uh, had in those carnivals. Fair enough. And if you were going to see the modern equivalent of that kind of stuff, where do you think that you might find it? Well, step right up, step right up to either uh, Instagram, (laughs) YouTube or Facebook. We're under Untitled Film Podcast. And uh, unlike usually, where we have quite quiet weeks on those um, on on those uh, social medias, we've had a slightly busier than usual week. It's been um, blowing up. It's been blowing up from all of three people. Uh, we had an answer to a question, which we don't usually have, which was follow up reality records. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Other than the usual spam of um, <laughs> post that on reality records from the the same usual spam bots. Um, so we had an answer to a question, and also um, we had a nice little shout out on somebody else's podcast because uh, last week I answered a question on a podcast I'm a fan of, and it was a story about you know that led to me saying, oh, and I have a podcast. I didn't intend to do it as a sort of um, as a networking thing. I really wasn't trying to do that, but they did say, oh, send us a message, tell us what your, the name of your podcast is. Um, they got in touch and they said. Um, uh, so what's the name of your podcast? And I told them, and I woke up on a Friday morning to see that they'd put it in the um, description. They put a link to it, and I th- that was really nice of them because usually these things are so insincere. So I have to mention the podcast is called You Okay with Holly and Amy. I've been a fan of one of theirs for a long time now because they're both a- Amy uh, because they're both actresses. I'm not as familiar with the work of of Holly, but hopefully now that I'm aware of her, I'll hopefully see her and things but um amy's been in a few um uh, london west end um raw shakespeare company she was in a production of taming of the shrew which is notoriously difficult and they're very funny they've got and a... shrews are hard to tame <laughs> indeed they are yes indeed they are you and shakespeare would be slapping your thighs with just hilarity i've made a very good shakespeare observation today but i won't bother you with that i think you'll be bored by it oh so, well there's a there's a post drop in canterbury for, there's apparently there's a shakespeare beer Festival in Canterbury. Oh, okay, cool. And they were like, um, go and see uh, Romeo and Juliet, Othello, and Don Quixote. And I was like, Don Quixote is, is not Shakespeare. No, it's not. It's Cervantes. So why is that at a Shakespeare festival? Anyway, that was my Shakespeare. Sorry, this is a massive tangent, but that was my Shakespeare observation. Well, it was, it was a very good tangent. I, I liked it. But yes, yeah, so um, go and listen to uh, You Okay with Holly and Amy. It's kind of an agony aunt podcast but a lot funnier they're very much inspired by um nora efron and amy polar so they've got a very light sense of humor so uh, thank you very much amy and holly for the shout out that was really nice of you thank you very much and you also mentioned that we asked a question and we actually got a response and a, and a real response question? as well so i was talking about literary works and the idea was great book shame about the movie 
And I uh, put out a few examples. So the pictures I used were of The Dark Tower, the Stephen King book, The Lovely Bones, which is a really bad movie, but I'm told a very good book, and uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. And our friend Howard got in touch with us and said, first off, Captain Corelli's Mandolin absolutely slaps. Secondly, World War Z shares nothing between the book and the film, apart from the name. They didn't even get the right zombies. Book walkers, film runners, and he's... He's right. That film is just a generic action film. Yeah. They could have swapped out the title. And I feel like they started off trying to make it more like the book and then just gave up. And it like, does they, seem it, like, like that. I feel like it got re-edited. And rewritten and exactly. you know, so many times. I think they had, yeah, I think it had reshoots and things. But anyway, I'm, I would like to take umbrage with that Captain Squally's Mandolin's good, though. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's rubbish as well. It's not good. It's why I use it as one of my examples. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have an example? Uh, many. I'm going to say a bit of a rogue one in that Great Gatsby. I did consider putting Be- that in. Because the thing is, Great Gatsby is one of my favourite books, and I would say I'll give you one of the best books of American literature. Um, and the film is at best mid. Uh, I'm po- predominantly down to the fact that Nick Carraway is so horrendously cast. It's very wet. Wire is just the wrong person. Nick Carraway, the moral structure and centre and core of the... I mean, it's the same problem with him playing Spider-Man, in my opinion, but that's another story. He's very drippy. He is. I'm, he has his place, and I don't think that Nick Carraway is that place. Uh, I've got lots of others. I think there's quite a few, isn't there, out there? But there's. Um, I was thinking of The Hobbit as well, um, just well, how like much the they mangled part, it. Oh, you like the middle chapter? Yeah, I like the middle chapter. I feel like it feels a bit like a roller coaster ride, and I like the barrels going. And down when the they've water got the, uh, that's when the dragon does Smiled, his thing. Yeah. yeah, the third one basically wasn't a movie. It's the last fifteen pages of the book stretched out over two and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, it's got the appendices. <laughs> Who cares? Exactly. Anywho, um, what about you? Apart from the three you put on the website. Oh uh, well, those were my primary three, and the Hobbit was the example that I was going to bring up, which I just did. So, what about? film that's better than the book oh uh fight club that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah there are there are, a couple there are of others, uh, that was just the first that that sprung to sprung to mind the uh, not a book but um sorry not, not a film but a uh, tv series the terror i tried reading the book after watching the film uh, the tv <sighs> show because i love the tv show so much and the book was incredibly dull just just the dullest just like the time of the tv show <laughs> Three stars in the Guardian. Anyway, um, so yeah, let's. Speaking of newspapers and news, shall we move on to the news? We shall indeed. Uh, Callum, what is your first piece of news today? Well, the Emmys literally just dropped. That's what I've got. I thought it might be. So I've got quite a few I could have picked today, so it's not an issue. But yeah, and uh, it seems like the big winners, oh sorry, the big nominees are the White Lotus and Succession. I, I found it amusing. Oh, what a shock that Succession yeah. got lots of. What a shock indeed. Uh, but the, the funniest one was um, it's Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. All the nominees are either from The White Lotus or Succession. But there are other shows that are snuck in there. Um, you've got Melanie Linsky from Yellow Jackets. You've got Pedro the, Pascal, the, the Internet's boyfriend. Noms. Yes, um, because the, the Bear straddles comedy and drama, mm. but they've decided to put it as comedy, which I'm not 100% sure, but I can kind of see oh, that. I would say it's more drama personally. Yeah, me too. Are they 30-minute episodes? I think that might, maybe that's their thinking, but that's less and less a thing mm. now with streaming. Um, 
Yeah, but um, although it's a, it's not a streaming show in the states, is it? It's on FX. Oh yes, of course. Yes, I was thinking because it's on Disney Plus here. The new season drops on the nineteenth of July for those of you in the UK. Fantastic! I really like the it's first out season. In the states, so you guys can fuck off. Yeah, bugger off. Enjoy <laughs> what you're going to enjoy. Um, Daniel Radcliffe got his first Emmy nomination for the uh, Weird Owl movie. Beef's got quite a few noms. Yeah, Beef has has got several. Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, SNL. Patagonia life on the edge of the water. Three not three things. He is the internet's boyfriend. People do love Pedro Pascal. Um, my colleagues at work talk about they fancy him so much, and that's all they talk about is Pedro Pascal. Jason Segel for Shrinking. I like Shrinking. Yeah, that was a good one. I didn't see Harrison Ford, though, which I was surprised by. I thought he's, big name. He's kind of a smaller character. Uh, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds for Welcome to Wrexham. Must be best nice. documentary series. Yes, best, best um, factual series or whatever they call it. Because they do like to mangle the titles here. They, they, don't, do. they don't just say best supporting actor in a drama. They say best supporting male in a dramatic performance, etc., etc., etc. Jessica Chastain for George and Tammy, which I felt is way older than this year, but evidently not. I think it might have come out the very start of the year. Maybe that's why. I, I do seem to recall it's been around for a while. Oh, really? Or may, maybe there must be. It's one of those things with uh, these things. Like if it shows up at a festival on one year then it's technically the year before but you know doesn't get counted into the next year's things it's all these cheating and stuff like so they can make it eligible for one thing but have it come out at a certain time of the year yeah fair enough um yeah i think that probably gives us a good round up on that um speaking of streaming though there's been quite a few trailers dropping for streaming services one of which caught my eye this week was napoleon i did see that starring joaquin phoenix as napoleon which to me seems rather a rogue choice yeah i'd um, say i wasn't convinced by him in the trailer no i have I to wasn't. say i just don't i think it might have worked better if they had got a french actor to play napoleon i'm just gonna put it out there or maybe at least an, uh, a lesser known actor yeah. an actor who's kind of more character actually maybe it looked it look visually quite interesting maybe it'll be excellent well, that's really maybe scott's bag isn't it like uh because he's uh the one directing this big set pieces you know kingdom of heaven gladiator he knows yeah. how to will swing it be a sword a robin hood or will it be <laughs> a um uh, a gladiator well let's hope for the latter let's hope for the latter but i'm not quite convinced by the trailer but yeah that seemed to be one of those there, there seems to be a few big budget trailers out this week and what is your second piece of news Callum? Uh, my second piece of news and every time there's a bit of news dropping about this film i'm going to be reporting on it there's more casting for superman legacy uh, we've got <laughs> <laughs> um it's james gunn of course so we have a few um james gunn regulars we've got uh, nathan fillion surprise surprise he's been cast as one of the green lanterns um we've got um uh, what's her name uh isabel isabella Merced, uh who is going to play hawk girl and i think this is the first time we're seeing hawk girl in a um big superhero movie and we have uh eddie gathegi as um Oh, who's he playing? Lost who he's playing now. That's embarrassing. Oh, Mr. Terrific, who's a, a superhero I have no clue about. Never heard of him. But, how um, terrific. But how, um, he, he does like James Gunn. He like, does like uh, taking his left field choices. Mm. I, I think he's using Nathan Fillion as pretty much like a lucky rabbit's foot at this point. Mm. Got to bring on old Nate. We shall see. We shall we see. Shall see. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone's nailed a Superman film since the... Well, since 1978. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Although for television, it's absolutely crackalacking because they've got this new anime, um, which is great. And they've got Superman and Lois, which is really good too. We shall see. Um, what am I going to do is my... I've got quite a few <laughs> bits of news but around. Another, another trailer I'm going to go for, actually. Cool. Wonka. Yes, I nearly, I nearly did this one. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What, 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 mm, mm, yeah. Shall no, we, mm. Um, I, yeah, what to say about it? I, I feel like uh, Chalamet is not the right... Chalamet. ...person for... I, I thought the same. Um, I just don't think he's... His version of Zany is not... It's irksome. Yeah, it is. And then it felt like a really... Um, boilerplate storyline. He's seems got to open a... Cho- he's like, he likes making chocolate, does that boy? He's got to open a chocolate shop, has he? But to open that chocolate shop, he's got to go up against the big three chocolate shops in town. And I'm an oompa and Once I've started dancing, I can't stop. And they pinched that joke from The Simpsons. Dancing Pete, a quarter, he'll be dancing for hours. Wow. Yeah, um, I wasn't convinced by the trailer. I'd much rather Paul King do Paddington 3 and Sally Hawkins go back with him. Mm, uh, Can we not turn back time? Is that something that we can do? Yeah, the thing is, it it worries me that... Because Paddington 3 could have been the greatest franchise in the history of cinema. Yeah, I agree. it, it It was... and I'm not convinced it's going to be now. And if it's not going to be because of this fucking awful Wonka movie, I am going to riot. And Paul King has I'm a lot to answer for. I'm going to make the French look like fucking the person that threw some confetti at George Osborne oh. the other day. <laughs> that is what's going to happen. If I don't get Paddington 3 as the greatest movie of all fucking time, I am going to kill that people. Someone's in... Paul King, you are in big trouble. Yeah, I'm coming. We're coming for you. So, I, I hope the money was worth it. Yeah, I hope. And I, this fucking Wonka better be good as well. You, you've got only about six months to spend it before Johnny just absolutely rages on you. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, no, I can't, get into, so I can't get into this. I'm just so fucking angry. Um, so yeah, that's why one of the reasons I went with the Wonka trailer was just rant about the fact it's that Paul a, King is wasting a, his life. Yeah, wasting his life. That's the literally the worst five seconds of any <laughs> podcast that's ever happened. <laughs> well, let's talk about something more pleasant, eh? Let's talk about something more pleasant. So, Callum, what are our movies for this week? Well, we've got a TV show and a movie, and they're both... What? How can we have a TV show how, and a movie? How can this be? And they're both adaptations of High Fidelity, uh, the book by Nick Hornby. Is... Never heard of it. Never heard of High Fidelity? What no. are you, a, millenn- a millennial who's not heard anything about High Fidelity? A millennial white man who's not heard anything about High Fidelity? I don't believe that. Um, but yes, we've got the more recent one, the one that came out in Disney Plus here in the UK in 2020. And we got the uh, John Cusack, Stephen Frears movie that came out in, in uh, 2000, I believe. Um, so we've got old and new. Um, who wants to take what? I don't mind. Which one? I'll do the new. You, okay. Take it. You got Rob. She's cool. She owns a record shop, but she's just broken up with her long-term squeeze. And she's going to tell you her top five breakups. And then things are going to happen. Will they, won't they get back together? That's it. What do you think? 
that's pretty succinct. Um, I really like this. And I didn't expect to really like it because we've had our fingers burnt by either kind of late sequels or reboots, um, nostalgia baiting. And this is, I mean, let's not kind of say that this is some revolutionary piece. The fact that they're using the same uh, gimmick of having uh, Rob talk to the camera as was um, first done in High Fidelity 2000 is so that audiences can go, ah, yes, High Fidelity talking to the camera. The reason why this works so well uh, is part for a few reasons. P firstly, Zoe Kravitz as the uh, gender-flipped version of Rob, this in this one, Robin, um, is fantastic. I mean, I've always liked her. I've liked her for a long time. She's great as Catwoman recently, but she's so good at just displaying this ennui, this general funk that she can't get out of, uh, partly because of her breakup, but partly because she's so self-sabotaging that uh, it's just a series of events that go on. Like in early on, um, she goes out on a date with a guy played by Jake Lacey, who's a very straight-laced guy. People make fun of him because he's like, he wears khakis, he's, he's boring. And she's just about to bail on him until she realizes she left her phone behind. And so she has to make an excuse to go back and get it and not make it look like she was trying to bail. Um, but other than that, I think what it's done is it's taken a lot of the best elements of the movie, the narration, the sarcastic dialogue, the nerdy music references and absolute bangers of, uh, of needle drops. And it's matured things a lot. If there is a problem and the difficulty here is like trying not to compare it too much to the movie because we're going to talk about the movies. So we don't want to kind of kind of that. Well, the movie did this. The TV show did that. And I prefer the TV show. I prefer the I movie. Almost, I almost said, let's do a flip and do the movie first today. I, I contemplated it. Yes. Well, that, I, I could understand doing that. But so I'll be careful about how I describe it. But if there's one, and I'll only do this one comparison. If there's one thing that the movie has, it has a very adolescent view of romance, sex, relationships. And there's a reason why it was one of our favorite films when we were 17. Um, whereas this one takes on a lot more mature point of view, not just from the point of view of Rob, but also the two best friend characters who work in the record store with her in the film. They're like, lol, they're dweebs. Whereas in this, at first, at first, I, I almost thought, God, they're too cool. They're, they're, these two characters missed the point. They're too cool. I, I want to hang out with these people where in um, the movie, I didn't want to hang out with Jack Black and I forget the name of the other guy, the the other actor. I don't want to hang out, out with those losers, whereas this I did. But then as we hear more about their stories and, and what's going on with them, they're a lot more complex, as is Rob. And it just deals with things in a lot more adult way that's suitable for the 2020s. And I really appreciated that. And that's why it started winning me over so much is I, I found myself so engaged with their relationships and their lives and their stories. But Johnny, what did you think? Yes, yeah, all right. <laughs> Zing. Um, no, I, I really like it. I really like the central performance from Zoe Kravitz. I thought that it did a good... And again, this is where it's got hard to not confirm. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. I think it did... I've read the book a few times over the years, um, and I, although not for a while, admittedly, and I kind of, obviously, with the, getting a book in, this is just a generic statement, getting a book into a film, there always has to be stuff left on the cutting room floor. And obviously, I think 
because of that, they managed to do better the B plots and things with the secondary characters in the TV show, which you just didn't have time to do in the movie. So they felt more fleshed out, especially when you got a few episodes in. And particularly with her kind of best friend character, he had a really good episode, like a whole episode that was his that I thought was really well done. Um, yeah, that I, I liked how they... And, and, and actually, it's a bit... you. I'm not, I mean, not to give the ending away, but there's not a season two, unfortunately. And there was clearly going to be a season two. Yes, or the, from the writing point of view, there was going to be a season two. So, um, yeah, I think that... Um, I, I think that they had set those characters up with some good stuff to do in season two. And you could see where the storylines were going. Um I thought it was more mature. I think it, again, this is where it's quite hard to review it without talking about the film as well, but I think it did a good job of fixing some of the things that were wrong in the film. Um, and I probably will talk about the TV show a little bit more when we talk about the film Yeah, we'll as probably well. end up comparing yeah. the two. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it really works, and I really like it. And like you say, the soundtrack slaps. Like, it is tune after tune after tune. The use of Debbie Harry and things is, is very good very well done um yeah i just I, I i really enjoyed it it's the second time i've watched it i when it came out i was like you know what i really enjoyed this you should watch this Callum, and Callum didn't watch it drags my feet and this is why i sometimes have to do is force force Callum's hand by saying right we're going to use that on this episode of the podcast just wait till he, i get in to watch the terror everyone yeah, yeah good <laughs> luck trying mate <laughs> um uh, what you don't know is I've watched it all and really liked it, but just won't tell you. I haven't, I haven't. <laughs> no, I thought so. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... So I'm just, I'm really gutted that it got cancelled, really. I would have liked to have seen... I don't know how many seasons you could have got out of it. I can't imagine more than like two or three. I, I imagine it, two or three. These relationship drama comedies, about two or three, catastrophe was three. But it, it kind of felt like it got it got to a point where you could see where it was going to go for a second or third season. Um, and I think it would have worked really well. Um, and it's a shame they didn't get to finish that story. It would just be nice. Even if they said, right, you can have four episodes to, to finish it off. It would have, it, they could have completed it in that, I think. Um, or they should have said, we're just going for a mini series from the start and not left it at a cliff. Yeah. Um, that's the bit of it. That's the hard thing. Like in a way it's hard to recommend going and watching it because I'm like, you'll be, you'll really enjoy this five hours of content and then you'll be like fuck's sake why isn't there another five hours of content on her it's a bitter pill certainly and this i do have a couple of teeny tiny niggles uh just um for the sake of balance i sometimes think they overplay a joke overstretch a joke or overstretch a scene um where the benefit of the film is that because they had to be tight and snappy yeah yeah um they play a joke to the point where they know they get the biggest laugh and then they stop so one of the best moments in the film is when he's imagining uh, when the ex, when the ex-boyfriend comes up with the new you know with the new uh, fiance and she has and she has fantasies about killing her and uh, you know breaking a bottle over her head and they, that's a joke from the film yeah. as well and the joke they i think they play it three times and this they did like six or seven yeah, I said, I oh, thought, come on come on i thought that went on a beat too long i was like sure i didn't do this many times in the movie and they also um they bring over the worst subplot of the film um of course in the film which is a, a film original 
where Rob, movie Rob, helps these skater punks who steal a bunch of records from from their shop, and he ends up uh, realizing that they're great musicians, and he helps them out. And same thing happens here. And again, it's like the one thing that I wish you didn't bring over. This is the one thing that you brought over. I actually like that plot. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. fair enough. I, I I quite like it. I'm just like. I like the reason I like it is because I think it it's the whole point of his character is a professional critic. He's a critic, and he, he makes, makes these lists. Thing he does do. these things, and this is the proof that he's they, he's or they, because I should say they, because it's for both of them. It's the proof that they've changed because they they have put their something out in the world for the first time that they believe in, yes. and it's not just them snarking on things. And I think that's why it kind of hits home with millennials because I think. Gen Z is, which is what John Cusack's character, particularly in the film, is, um, is that Gen Z is when, uh, not Gen Z, sorry, that's a Gen, Gen X on, I'm yes, just saying. Sorry, uh, we're wrong. known for being snarky and then kind of like not really doing anything their own at the time. Obviously, they've gone on, some have gone on to do things of use and some of them are horrible people. <laughs> um, that's just life. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, um, and I think that. I actually, from that point of view, I think it shows great. But I think the problem is neither one. This doesn't get to play out properly because it doesn't get finished. That that storyline starts and it starts to put the pieces together. And with the other friend who uh, she starts to kind of have pieces with them put together as well, which could be an interesting place to go. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's one of those things. That I think it would have made a lot worked a lot more, made a lot more sense if they'd have got another season. Yes, and that to me is the biggest. It's a of very it. bitter pill. It does take the other thing. I would say is it takes three episodes to get going, but at the end of the day, something taking three episodes to get going Most is not. It's TV not bad. Shows do yeah. that. I also like that they brought over some of the nice, cute references to the film without over egging mm. things. Like, uh, um, I will now sell three copies of. And this, it's a different uh, band, but they do have they do have the beta plan played at own. least two ep- in two episodes, and, and a few cute references like that. I also liked so the the ending credit songs is if you feel like you're falling in love, to do will be forever. And the whole last episode uses that a few times it as does. a bit of a beat, which I, I quite liked as well. Yes. I also like, you know, they know that when they're like, oh, that's the annoying customer. And then the annoying customer is actually like the brother's mate and stuff. I yes. quite like that. I like the way that kind of twisted. So, no, I, I, I really liked it. And I'm pissed off that there wasn't another one. But It's absolutely smashing. So, yeah, that's, I think that's the review for it. I think so. After a very solid dancing act of not treading on our own toes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, buy these things. And you're not going to buy anything for a dollar. I won't, but I will sell three copies of whatever it is they were selling. Wow. That's a reference to the movie, everyone. So (laughs) should we do the plot line for the movie? (laughs) All right, all right, all right. How many times do you think you've blown the mic out this, this episode? At least three by mic out. You done? I was referencing the TV show. I was going on a beat too long. Yes. Uh, anyway, yes. okay. Tell us, tell us about the movie. Well, How did, the movie. <laughs> what happens? There's this guy, Rob. He's just broken up with his ex-girlfriend. With, ex, with his girlfriend. Ex- Are they going to get no back ex. together? Are they not? Will they? Won't they? And some misadventures happen along the way. So, Johnny, what did you think about the film of High Fidelity? Yes, all right. 
Yes. yes. I actually think it's the film I've watched the most in my life. <laughs> Could be mine as well. Um, yeah. I, admittedly diminishing amounts as time has gone on. When I was like, I don't know, like 15, 16, I probably watched it like four times a year. And I watched it probably twice a year when I was at university. And then it's gone down to like once a year. Now it's like probably like once every two years. Um, so, I mean, that would state that I quite like it. And I kind of identify with the characters. Um, I, in a lot of ways, I don't necessarily think... You know, we always talk about those things like Garden Stay and yes. Catcher in the Rye, or those things that when you're like 18 are like the most profound thing it that's speaks ever to happened me, man. to me. It just speaks to me. And there is an element of that to it. And there is an element of when you grow older, you're like, there's some toxicity to these things going on. But I still really like it. I've still always wanted to, to own a record store. Um, you can't see this, but I'm sitting in front of a wall of records currently. Um, a wall. What would you call that? A, a, a few shelves? A few shelves. A wall a suggests shelves. a wall. Well, I think that's, that's nearly a wall. <laughs> a third of a if wall. If I turned it round, that could be a wall. If I turned it on the side... I think it's, that's still a third of a wall. And I, they're not all of my records, you know. <laughs> there's a good, like, 400 records sitting behind me, and then I've got another, like, 200 in another room. Like, there's, there's a chunk of records in my house. Like, it's, that's a thing I've spent way too much of my money on in the past. Um, so yeah, I have to admit my quantity of records I've bought has greatly decreased in the last five years with the amount of times I watched High Fidelity has also greatly decreased. <laughs> there, there seems to be a bit of a correlation, a but that's another story. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, so I love a record, uh, and I like, I've always wanted to own a record shop and, um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of identifying there. Again, all the music slaps. No Debbie Harry in this, but you have got Bruce Springsteen, which is also, like, cool. Um, it's one of Jack Black's first starring roles, and he... Actually, in the movie, he's a bit annoying, but then his purpose for being in the movie comes very clear in the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, and he's perfect for that role. Um, John Cusack's perfect for that role. Joan Cusack's perfect for her role as his sister. Um, but I do think at the centre of it, there is the, the relationship that's trying to be saved... I think there's a lot less to be saved than there is in the relationship in the TV series, ironically, and a lot less to be saved than there is in the TV series in the book. It feels at times a bit toxic, a bit like mother and child almost at times, which I always think is a bit creepy when you get that kind of relationship. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Although you could argue what he does to her in the film is not as bad as what she does to him in the in the TV show, but I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, what did you think? Uh, much the same. I've probably worn out various VHS and DVDs over the years of this film. Uh, it's endlessly watchable. If it has something above the TV show, is that a lot of what the TV show does is take some of the ideas that this film originated, like um, it's directed by Stephen Frears. And there was a decision from John Cusack, who's one of the screenwriters and producers. He wanted to go, when he was pitching this to directors, he didn't want to go for kind of general comedy directors, which I think the studio was sort of pushing him towards because they read the script and said, romantic comedy. He said, no, this is a this is a proper movie based on a really great book. I'm going for Oscar-winning directors. So they went for Stephen Frears, and Stephen Frears came up with the idea of, instead of having it just be narrated, it's spoken to you because he saw a clear parallel between the cruelty and the nastiness of a character like Alfie in Alfie, a narcissist who 
wants you to look at him all the time and between Rob. And that's one of those... He's definitely ma- narcissist. Yeah, definitely there. a narcissist. Uh, and that's one of those masterstrokes that you get when you, instead of cast hiring some kind of workman-like director, instead you cast hire, sorry, Stephen Frears. And there's a um, textual feel to the film. I mean, just watching a film that's shot on film, you know, I know it's, it's becoming more and more of a nostalgic thing, but it is. it has a warmth, much like the records that they use in the film. Um, the cinematography is great. The choice of Chicago replacing London. I actually think Chicago worked better as a London proxy than New York. If One teeny tiny niggle again about the TV show is that the New York in the TV show felt like quite a generic New York. Very generic New York. Yeah, like it felt like TV. Ladyland. Yeah, exactly. A TV New York. Bodega. Look, that's um, Jack from the Bleach, uh, from the the band The Bleachers. It's the producer. Wow. What are you doing here? Whereas this felt kind of lived in. It felt um, like, because I think that John Cusack lived in Chicago before he moved to Hollywood. So it feels earthy. It feels kind of has a bit more grit under the fingernails. But you're right, the central relationship is quite toxic, especially when we watch it in the perspective of our 30s. Also, Rob is such an angry man, and none of those Mm. things get resolved. It's a little bit insally at times. It's very creeping up that way. Mm. If there's one reason why I'm not complaining about it as much as we did with uh, Michael Sarah in Scott Pilgrim, it's because they've matched the performer to the content. Yeah, I agree. And John Cusack, if there's something he can do, it's angry, incelly guys that, under the right light, if you squint, yeah, they're kind of cool. Oh, wait, they're kind of creepy. He does angry. I think it's a it, fine line. A fine line to walk. And at times it's, at times it's fine, and times, at it's times just it wobbles a bit. One little leg is dipping into and the And actually, bladder. I think in our Scott Pilgrim review, we said if this was made in the 80s, they would have hired uh, John Cusack. Mm-hmm. And, and he would have been better at and, it. Yeah, and he's just such a great person at playing that sort of angry, insulting person. And it's balanced well by the, um, he calls them the musical moron twins, mm-hmm. uh, the two employees who are a lot more broad in this, whereas in the TV show, they're cool and you, they get development. And here they serve one purpose. They're supposed to be dweebs that you laugh at until they start moving on with their lives. One goes into a band, the other gets a girlfriend, and Rob doesn't. There's a, One of my favourite shots in the film is when they're, saying, oh, we should go to the bar. Oh, actually, I can't. I'm, I've got a date. Oh, actually, Rob, I can't either. I've got a plan for my band. And then Rob, the person who thinks he's the coolest guy in the room, stands in the middle of a room alone. And I think that's such a nice... And again, that comes from having a director who is an artist rather than a workman-like director. Uh, so the earthiness and the performance of the material... Which is why I would argue it's important that there's a storyline where he gets the skater kids and puts the record out because oh, that does show growth. <laughs> Um, so the earthiness and, and the and the te- textuality to it is what carries it, and by matching the right performers uh, to the people, so it kind of offsets the more gross parts. But that relationship should not have been saved, and it's easily the weakest part of the film. And that, ugh, this is really hard to not spoil the TV show, <laughs> but it's one area I think the TV show feels like. Obviously, there's not a second season, so I don't know quite where it goes, but it feels like it could be differing. Yes, well, they, I mean, by just by introducing the character by Jake Lacey in the TV show, they've opened a new avenue that wasn't, that didn't exist in the film. In, mm. the, in the film, his goal is only ever to get back his ex-girlfriend and that's it. Whereas that's her goal in the TV show until this branch comes out. And I think that's all we really can say without, without spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, going back to where we were going to talk about maybe more 
comparing the beats between the show and the 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 TV the, the film. The film is tighter, and it has to be tighter. Of but course. it is tighter. The, yes, like we said, the, the TV show does sprawl at times, and I do feel there's certain parts, there's certain episodes that almost like have their own life, mm-hmm. but and nothing to do with the film, and they are great. A lot of them actually. Um, but there's also ones where they've gone, right, we're going to take these three scenes from the film and make it into a whole episode. And actually, they, they probably have five I minutes to fill I actually remember in. saying, I was, I'm making notes, and I said, this is a 10-episode TV show where each episode is 32, 33 minutes mm-hmm. long. It's begging to be eight episodes and 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think that uh, it's not tight. Um, and the film is pretty tight. Like, it's not, I don't look, look at the film and think, well, you could cut that out, you could cut that out, you could cut that out. It does a good job of distilling the book. In, it's about two hours, isn't it, the film? Yeah, roughly. does a good job of distilling a fairly thick book into a film in two hours. So, yeah, and overall, they're both excellent pieces of work and they both have their pluses and minuses. Um, I do think that the TV show felt more up-to-date. I do think that, it, that the, the film feels a bit aged now. It does, a little bit. But, yeah, there are things that I like about the film. Like, I agree with you on Chicago. I think Chicago, it felt like... It felt like you were in Chicago, whereas the um, TV land. The TV thing felt, yeah. I, was, I honestly got about four episodes in and went, oh, yeah, this is meant to be New York in this one. And I hadn't really <laughs> even thought about it until that point. It was only because I was Googling, does the Allied bar exist, which is the bar they go to in the TV series. Um, and it doesn't, unfortunately, because it looks quite cool. Too bad. Yeah. Some of the stuff exists, though, some of the places. Um, yeah. Any more to say? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we've wrapped her I all think up. We might end up with quite a big sum up because we're, we're comparing the two. Yes. Bit um, so, Callum, what would you score the High Fidelity TV show as? I'd say eight out of ten. It's very close to being. Some episodes are ten out of ten, um, and had it gone on further, it probably would start to creep up in, as maybe one of the great relationship drama comedy dramedies, along with things like a uh, catastrophe. Um, and, you know, several of the other big ones. And recently, Colin from Accounts uh, that just came out in BBC iPlayer. It could have... Which may be reviewed in a maybe. few weeks. Maybe. We have been umming and erring about it. Um, it. It nearly gets there. And there's the odd niggle. So nothing really to take away f- too many points. Zoe Kravitz is great. Um, the whole cast is uniformly great. You really do get into their lives. You really want them to succeed, even when they do horrible things, or at least when Rob does hor- horrible things. Um, it's just really good fun, and I'd, I'd suggest it to to anyone listening. I also am going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I pretty much agree with you. I think it. I think if it was the second season, I think it could have been a 9 or a 10 out of 10. Like It got really good momentum in the last five or six episodes um but the first few it did take a while to get going it is a bit flabby at times and yeah i think the new york thing is a bit blah um and yeah i just think it's a shame it didn't get longer to play out and, and see where it went so i agree and the movie the movie for different reasons it's also an eight out of ten <laughs> because it is really really solid um there are things that detracts from it a little bit now uh, but they carry it through with the right performances and earthiness to it um 
a proper director at the helm, um, just clever decisions about the filmmaking. Everything about the filmmaking is pretty damn solid. Um, so just a few story beats that maybe have aged a bit poorly recently. You have a well-matched performances between John Cusack being angry and Jack Black being irksome, but funny irksome. Um, when he first walks in, in the first scene when he's going, down it, down it, down it, you, you're giggling mm. immediately. And it's, well, it's a nice I, balance. Yeah, it is. Um, but no, it's, it's an 8 out of 10. Again, it nearly gets there. Um, it's endlessly watchable. Otherwise, we wouldn't have watched it something like 400 million times. Uh, but no, again, if you haven't already seen it, which I highly doubt, if you're in your late 20s, early 30s, you've probably seen this movie 100 times. Um, and if you haven't, Shame. But if you haven't, if if you're one of those people I've shamed... I was just going to say a slight sidestep to that. I think that if you're a white male... A white male, yes. In your early 30s, you've probably seen it hundreds of times. I think outside of that, not everyone has seen it hundreds of times. I'm just going to put that out there, I think. (laughs) Not not shame for you. Although maybe a little bit. Tiny, but 10%. There's no reason you shouldn't, Will. It's not just for white men. Well, I don't think it is anyway, but I feel like it, it has that kind of click within that community. Yes, for obvious reasons, considering the protagonist. But no, it's really solid. Um, do go seek it out if you haven't, and shame on you. You know what's really annoying? I also am going to give it an 8 out of 10. I was like, no! <laughs> I was hoping you are going to go for 7 or something. Um, I, yeah, I think it's... I think, in, in the, unfortunately, the central relationship is flawed, but I just like everything else about it, so... That's why it's not a 10 out of 10. That's why it's an 8 out of 10. But other than that, really like it. So, yeah. So, 8 out of 10s all round it's, it's, for everything. It's very 8 out of 10. It's, it's an 8, 8, 8, 8, 8 it's, day. On the thumb up meter, it's a motorcycle driving by. No, it's a, uh, it's it, pretty it's a hand there. wavering kind of towards the upper ends, but not quite up. And all of these are available to watch on Disney+. Plus. Yes. So get watching them because something tells me that the TV series may get purged at some point. Because it just feels yeah. like the kind of show that probably will get purged. A one-season show that was a bit of a flop. I don't think anybody's going to be... Uh, I think the old purging shredder will be going soon. So uh, I'd get the, on there and watch it now. The mouse is going to be sticking that in the bin soon. Yeah. So watch it now. Or now. time it. Now, 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 now. Bow, 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 bye. Wasting his life!